Hey, what's going on? Greetings, have a good day. Welcome back to Birds All Day. It is Monday. The playoffs start tomorrow, and your Toronto Blue Jays are involved. When last we spoke, they had clinched. Now we know where they sit. Right now they sit in Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg, Florida, ready to take on the number one seed, the Rays. Blue Jays couldn't quite get there to overtake the Yankees for potentially a matchup with, I believe it was, ended up being Cleveland. Not happening. No, no, not those kind of ghosts and demons are going to be exercised. It's going to be the Rays demons this time. And the Blue Jays storm into Tampa, into Tampa, into the trop, and, uh, and take on the number one seed Rays. And I, for one, I couldn't be more excited. And uh, there's no one I know who likes to exercise demons more than the man who joins me. And he joins me as always. Uh, old reliable. Old exercising reliable. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I'm well. Yeah, ready to exercise some of these demons. Let's go. Right on. Uh, People yeah, are afraid the, of the, the Cleveland ones. The Cleveland ones seem terrifying to me. That, that, uh, those are not for that. I, I would. I look. We can get right into it. I was. You know, we don't have to do the patter. We don't have to do the bits. We have. I wrote all these bits, but no. Oh well, no. No, bit, I didn't write any bits. Oh. There are no bits. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm bringing on. Bring on the Rays. Look, the Rays. Yeah. Fuck them. I think that's basically <laughs> <laughs> in a word. Yeah. Uh, but also, I don't know. Are 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 if you as you as a proxy for the Toronto Blue Jays in this case, Stoughton, Do you have a preference? I mean, you're the underdog either way. But who are are you happy to face the Rays as compared to Cleveland? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're obviously really tough, uh, both options, but uh, maybe it's the familiarity. Maybe it's the fact that the Jays played the Rays quite well uh, this year, even though they lost, I think, uh, 6 of 10. But they were like – or maybe it was more – there was a bunch of one-run games that they lost. I think they lost four one-run one games. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the, the opportunity to go and, you know, to somewhere you've already been, like – I don't even know. Like we were talking about this last week. Like there are just what's been what's been going on in the AL Central. I am not super on top of it. I know that obviously the Blue Jays would be. They have a, a you know pro scouting apparatus and they're they're out there following and whatnot. But like uh, I think the lack of familiarity would be terrifying, especially and, and as would you know the instant loss uh, with Shane Bieber on the hill. And uh, they're just they, they got a lot of pitching. In Cleveland, not that the Rays don't, but uh, I don't know. I kind of like their chances. You know, Blake Snell has the big name. He won the Cy Young a couple of years ago. Not as great this year. Came out, you know, came into the year with an elbow injury. Uh, the Jays did, you know, okay against him. They, he weren't, you know, uh, completely destroyed by him in the couple of starts that he made against them. Uh, Charlie Morton, I think, is a, a similar case. Was like ridiculous last year and, and hasn't quite been the same guy this year. Uh, both very good. Both would not surprise me at all if they just completely shut the Jays down. But uh, I don't know. I think you got a fighting chance. And and even you know Glasno is uh, uh, you know a monster. <laughs> but, but I think that there are some ways that the Jays can uh, can do okay against him as well. Yeah, I maybe it's just that Cleveland, as they've really come together, so that was a team that really feel, felt seemed like they were underachieving for much of the season. Mm -hmm. They were barely ahead of the Blue Jays at a time. When the Blue Jays were slumping and the Yankees were in their big streak, The Cleveland was right down there with Toronto, and then they finished the season really strong, while it was the White Sox who, of course, really stumbled and struggled and straggled into the um, to the season's end, and, and I think they lost eight of their last ten games. Uh, to put themselves in a situation where they got to play Oakland. But uh, the Cleveland is, when we think about, you think about the starting pitching and you get the Shane Bieber and you get uh, uh, whatever, whoever else, Cookie Carrasco, it's maybe just a little bit more of like a traditional um, attack, right? You're a little bit more worried about that, where like, you know, Glasgow is a, a monster, but you know he's only going to go five innings, right? He's not going to be allowed to face uh, go through the lineup more than twice. He's going to strike out a ton of people, but he throws a lot of pitches, and the Rays are just who the Rays are. I think that what we've seen in recent years as well, and I believe this even if it's not true, that the Rays' willingness to churn, to be a really bullpen-heavy team. Uh, we saw them last year where they they were the ones who were like a, the vanguard of the opener. They ran through the opener, then they traded that guy Craig Stanek, and they got, what's his name, Nick Anderson in that deal. Um, yeah. They churn through relievers, and good ones, um, but they go through a ton of them. But in a short se series, you can't do that. 
your roster is your roster. So I think that the inability to sort of operate on a 35 or 32 man roster that maybe Tampa Bay in my mind did like, you know, last year, Tampa Bay and the, and the Blue Jays used a comparable amount of, 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 uh, of pitchers. Uh, the Blue Jays maybe even used more, but the Blue Jays lost 95 games and Tampa Bay won, I think 96. Like they're not operating in the same mode. So I think a short series doesn't favor a team like Tampa Bay where they're able to kind of realize these gains and optimize their their approach and run this bullpen super deep i think that i saw a stat today the rays had 12 different pitchers to pick up a save this year which is again indicative of the way that they operate in terms of allowing their best pitcher to get pitch in the highest leverage situations but also not getting the guy who's going to get more money in arbitration a ton of save opportunities like all these things sort of lured over the the, the rays the rays way of uh, of doing business but because they're the Rays, they're not scary. And you know that they're good. And at Blue, the Blue Jays fans know better than anybody that the Rays are good. They play them 19 times a year. They get their asses kicked 12 times a year. This year, they <laughs> play much. them tougher than usual. But like uh, the example I'll use, and it's, it's maybe it's a joke, but like there was that video that MLB put out a video today, like a like playoff hype video. Like, okay, here we go. Here come the playoffs. There's one shot of one Rays player in the, it's a minute video in the first 50 seconds. There's one shot of a Rays player and it's G-Man Choi dancing. And it's a video from 2019 because it's at <laughs> Trop, it's at, uh, whatever in Houston, Minute Maid Park. Is that what they still call it? Uh, cause you can see it in the background. Like the Rays just don't have any guys that inspire fear there's no stars there's no Mookie Betts there's no Shane Bieber there's no you know just the kind of players that that you're like wow we can't what are we going to do with that guy I mean you know that Austin Meadows is a good player you know that Hunter Renfro is can do the things that he does you know that Willie Adamas has had a good year but at the same time they're just the shit bag rays they're always the same they're shit (laughs) they're just cycle through shitty players and they make them better for a year and then they move them on and I hate them so much (laughs) <laughs> and uh fuck them so I, I i got no no problem and and you know the and cleveland again playing so well uh with jose ramirez rediscovering what it took to be jose ramirez and uh yeah i'm happy that they're playing tampa bay i'm happy that they're playing tampa bay because at tampa bay there is a roof so this first three game series there's no threat of rainouts which is not a an uncommon or delay it's not uncommon in in the playoffs uh with, as the weather gets wonky in the northern parts of uh, of the United States and uh, into southern Canada where we live and i i think that favors a team like the blue jays it doesn't have a lot to doesn't have a lot of margin for error where if you were in a Hyunjin Ryu start and it's the second inning and suddenly it's an hour long rain delay well guess what you're fucked Right. Where as opposed to, you know, in, in, in under a dome, you don't have you don't have to worry about that. So it's there's nothing other than, you know, performance that's going to stand in the way of him giving everything he's got to uh, to try to grab the win in the game that he starts. Which, yeah, I, I, I oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Which, well, no, no, please. We were well, we were going to say I was going to transition, but you, you were going to make a point. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was going to say no. I, I think that that's that's all very true. I think that the schedule is is definitely something that is interesting, and Ryu fits into that. You know how the uh, the Jays don't have a ton of uh, of great lefties in their bullpen right now, uh, but it sounds like Robbie Ray is going to pitch after Shoemaker, most likely. Ryan Barucki is you know going to be uh, usable, and you, you just won't need those guys like three days in a row necessarily. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you have Ryu pitching, like. Uh, uh, that will help them. I think. I think that's maybe part of the strategy. But a big part, bigger part of it is probably that Ryu, you know, is better on an extra day of rest and and sounded like he was a little bit sore after his last outing. Uh, but yeah, that can help. And and like you say, just thinking about bullpen usage. I mean, I was I was writing about this series before we came on and uh, and looking at you know bullpen stats for the Rays and and yeah, Anderson's really good and and uh, you know Fairbanks and. Uh, there's, a, there's Cisneros or something. There's a, there's a, there's a few guys who are, are are quite outstanding in the in the bullpen, but yeah, they can't use them every day. Uh, in this in this series, I don't think so. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they can go back to back to back with some of them. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's not the same sort. Of, I mean, I guess it is the same sort of form that they're used to, but it's. Uh, uh, I, I think they would be better off if there were more off days where they could go back to Anderson more frequently because he has been ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, you know the Jays are going to get cute with it by the sounds of it, but uh, why? Why not? When 
when when when not to get cute, but when you have a chance to face the Rays, and you know everything is just house money at this point, anyway. I think so. You you you're you're right about getting cute. So what, of course, we're talking about is the Blue Jays have announced, or Charlie Montoya announced that that Matt Shoemaker will start Game One in Tampa Bay um, as the Blue Jays return to the postseason here in the wild card round. So not Hyunjin Ryu, as if you heard me on the radio or saw me on TV this week, you heard me say that up and down over and over repeatedly. Like you got to get Hyunjin Ryu out there and try to steal you Game <laughs> One. And so the Blue Jays, of course, have not done that. They are starting Shoemaker, uh, which. Obviously, there are extenuating circumstances that while they are kind of couching in and being like, we want to get him an extra day of rest. He's much better after an extra day of rest. And then you, as you alluded to, maybe there was a little bit of soreness, getting him that opportunity to rest. Not a bad one. If, if, because you, you need him to win you the game in as much as a starting pitcher can win a baseball team a given game. My thought was it's got to be game one because you don't want to go down. Then you got to win two in a row. Right. If you win game one, you don't have to win two nor you just got to win one of the next two. If you lose game one, you know, this is this is this is called math. These are these are the advanced metrics when we're talking about two out of three. So it's a little surprising. I I assume that if if the schedule worked out even slightly differently um, or if there was uh, any other opportunity, I can't imagine they wouldn't want to start Hyunjin Ryu in game one unless he and the and the trainer and the high performance department have said, Really needs that extra day. So the the other side of that is okay. So now we go Shoemaker. Now we go uh, with Robbie Ray. Probably maybe piggybacking behind him. Can't imagine you let Shoemaker go through the uh, the lineup more than twice. Even a second time through the lineup seems a little greedy. I don't know. Um, and then maybe you've got Nate Pearson. Right? Is that is that a crazy thought to I, think? I think that's a I think that's a really good way to do it. And I, I think that. One, you have you know you have a raised team that hasn't uh, hit velocity really well. I was looking at you know parsing it out like pitches over ninety five. You know they're one of the worst teams in the league against that. And uh, you know comparing Shoemaker his last start to Walker, he threw a little bit harder than Walker did. Robbie Ray we know throw, throws hard. Nate Pearson is going to be a real uh, factor in this series for that reason and just because he's Nate Pearson. Uh, and yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to lay it out. And also, I mean, I don't like I agree with you. Like I don't think that. Uh, I don't think if Ryu was perfectly fine and ready to go, that the, they would have necessarily gotten this cute. But also, there there is, uh, uh, you know, Snell throws really hard. The lefty lefty throws hard. Uh, you know, Glasnow could also be this situation. But I think you're going to want, you know, you're going to want Danny Jansen catching Ryu because the, of the comfort level there. But mm-hmm. give me Locomotive Kirk in Game One. You know, a guy who hits velocity well, uh, a right-handed hitter uh, is certainly going to give you more at the plate than Danny Jansen. I think. Uh, Jansen, uh, this is something I looked in this preview piece. It's probably going to be up before this podcast is, so go check it out. Uh, but Jansen is one of the worst uh, uh, four-seamer hitters on the team this year. If you look at like run values based on you know particular pitch mm-hmm. types, uh, Alejandro Kirk in his very brief time is already looking, you know trending towards being one of the better ones, and uh, that's something I think that uh, maybe didn't hurt the decision there. I mean, obviously, like I said, Ryu, Ryu is going to start when Ryu is capable of starting, but uh, that's something I would like to see, and uh, I, 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 it, I am encouraged by uh, what Ross Atkins said over the weekend in a Zoom call when somebody asked him if they were comfortable with Kirk, if they, you know, really sort of prodding to see about the, you know, bringing up a third catcher, and he was just like, like, just clearly they are very comfortable with him running a game and being on the field behind the plate in the playoffs. They think very, very highly of him. That's good to hear. That, that, that those are that's an excellent context, Stoughton. I thank you wow. for for doing the work, as they say, to uh, to help to shed some light on on how this would work. I, I do tend to, you know, I will. I agree with myself. Hard to believe that uh, that if if you was healthy or was ready to go game one, he they wouldn't they wouldn't have gone with him. But I think it's so. good to know that there is some thinking and there is some there is some rationale or there are some are some reasons that uh, it, it could might not be the 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 worst. Uh, uh, choice. The yeah, if they, if they start Jansen uh, in Game One, then I'm then I then I take it all back. Any praise goes right out the window, <laughs> unless Kirk is even at <laughs> DH. But no, I, this is I sort of laid this out in the. It's like because Jonathan Davis has hit uh, velocity well as well, and we're still talking really small samples. But I don't know. The Jays seem to 
take meaning from that. And when you you know when you're not like looking at micro splits against certain pitchers, but like actual like buckets of of pitch types and pitch velocities, maybe it's I think it's more meaningful. And and so you know you you have you could put him in right field, put Teoscar at DH and, uh, and Kirk behind the plate. Like you don't have to use the DH spot just for Kirk. You can uh, mm-hmm. uh, doing that would allow. I don't know. You, you're obviously against a lefty in Snell. You probably don't want to have Travis Shaw there. He's also a guy who struggled a bit with velocity, or at least with four seamers. Um, you really, you, you know, you could only have, you know, Kevin Biggio would be the only left-handed hitter in your lineup. You could have VR, who's played quite well, I think, recently at second base. But recently, meaning like the last three games, if we just forget mm-hmm. how certain tragic it was before. Um, you know that means Vlad at first base, which is maybe not ideal, but uh, that's the boat you're that's the boat you're sailing in at this point. I think so. I mean, obviously no, Shaw he, will get a chance at first base at times, but but I don't know. I that that was my that was my uh, suggested lineup that I think could work for them, uh, balancing you know what the lineup could need and what the defensive side could need against Snell, and then maybe you do find a way to to steal that game, and then things are looking real good. I think Morton I think, and, and Walker is like a decent matchup for the Jays. Well, I, I believe there there are some concern about Taiwan Walker's uh, batter hand splits and maybe mm-hmm. being a little bit more vulnerable against left-handed hitting, which is something that the Rays tend to have in spades. I mean, I'm thinking like Meadows and Kiermaier. Uh, I think Adamas, it's left as well. Um, Choi, who, yeah, uh, who, you know, the, 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 uh, erstwhile switch hitter uh man how messed up was that at the beginning of the season <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah but you know i think i think that you you've you're talking about uh small sample uh performances in some of these uh different types of metrics but but i think your point is a good one which is that it's not like well the rays have really had his number because they faced him twice like it's it's a it's a bit more refined but it also it's a much more in, intelligent i think pairing of scouting observations and statistical observations because if you have scouts and people who have been in the game people who know the game people whose opinions you trust and you think and you are watching you're there watching alejandro kirk and being like that kid can handle big league heat we've seen like uh, that's what i see he's not starting early he's he's handling it you know they're do they're using scout speak and then when you go back and look at the numbers and you're like yeah no this is true this 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 bears out so then it's like okay we don't have to be afraid of putting him in there because you know the idea of experience and and do playoff experience. I mean, you don't know how someone is going to necessarily perform in, in this, in this, in the playoffs or under pressure, quote unquote. But at the end of the day, it's, you just have to make the best baseball decisions you can to get the best team out there to win the game. And that's, and that's really what it's about. Uh, you know, in the playoffs, especially in the three game series, the Blue Jays are, are like, like, unlike ever before. Uh, maybe other than if they were in a wild card game, for example, you know, 2016 and in the wild card game, they just need to get a little bit of luck. Right. They're not quite as good a team. They're not as far away from Tampa Bay as it may have seemed at different times of the last few years, but a little bit of luck and they win uh, one, they win game one and then Ryu steals in game two and then they're laughing. Then they're home and that's it. That's all that matters. A little bit of, a little bit of bad luck. They, the, the Tampa Bay can't figure out Shoemaker and then Robbie Ray, bless him, throw strikes for, for an hour. (laughs) And then, and then you, then Nate Pearson comes in and just doesn't, doesn't try to throw through the backstop and off you go. Right, that's all it takes in a three-game series. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, you reminded me of Robbie Ray. I, I, I think I talked. I don't know if I talked about this on air or off air last time, but I, I did the Cespedes Barbecue podcast that just I think came out today here on Monday. Uh, but they were like, like off air. They're like, how do you like watching Robbie Ray? Like <laughs> completely knowing that it's torture and they're like we've been talking about robbie ray for months around here like they're, just, they're like never on air but we're just like man that's the worst i have to I'm try, I'm, i shouldn't out them i guess like this but yeah they're they, they get a kick out of the robbie ray experience and uh brief as it has been for the blue jays uh it's been an experience i'm not sure if i'm ready for playoff robbie ray uh, but hopefully that's where big Nate can come in and be like, well, all right, get, get up kid. We're going to need you a little sooner than we thought. Well, what was that? The, the joke I made on, on Twitter was like, I'd like your most yeah. Robbie Ray start, please. <laughs> which was each of his last three starts with the blue Jays were like yeah. five strikeouts, four walks, two home runs, but like yeah. two runs allowed in five innings. Uh, you know, laughing all the way to the bank happily, happily would take that. Maybe lose the walks, but, uh, but other than that, yeah. I'm, I'm good to go. 
Um, yeah, it, it, but unfortunately, the Robbie Ray experience is also not just becoming the big league pitching experience. Like everybody yes. is Robbie Ray now, yeah. which um, maybe a de- another debate for my Syria podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I know my I, I know f- my creative player should had a, a if I had one it would it would probably resemble Robbie Ray. I'm just trying to think of a good uh, um, a good Roma pun, but yeah. I'm struggling. <laughs> to, the Roma cast, anyway. Uh, me and and Totti and uh, Parks talking about Syria. Ah, look for it uh, where you get your good uh, where you get your podcast your, your English language Italian podcast. Uh, <laughs> lucrative what, it, field of. Oh man, just printing money. Us and the, the soccer, the soccer fanatics from 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 Tele Latino back in the day. Those like guys in the basement in Woodbridge. That's us. That's 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 uh, the, the power of DAZN is that where everyone's just watching the beautiful game. They Italy right now. It's just really a renaissance. Uh, they are some well, wonderful see what teams. You did, there. Yeah. <laughs> did you? All right. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with a little bit more Birds All Day after this word from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. What I was going to do and what I did today, and I want to say thank you to everybody who, who, who chimed in, was I put out a call like, hey, we're talking baseball, we're talking podcasts, we're talking the Blue Jays. So I took some questions, and I'm gonna, we'll go through it, and I'll kind of hit you with a couple one of them from uh, from Chris, who used to run an old blog called Infield Fly Rule. He wants to know where Bergkamp is, and he wants to know about um, Josh Towers here on the podcast, which uh, I can't help him with that. Other than Bergkamp, I sent him the, the address for Borel. Is that how you say it? Borel? Borel? I mean, you, can't, you really can't ask me. I mean, I, 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 Garrett Cole, I, I challenged, I called him a coward for the way he pronounces his last name, and then an actual Dutch person was like, yeah, you know, I, I cringe every time I hear your last name. I'm like, oh, right, yeah, we, we, we did the Ellis Island thing. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. I, so, I, so I have no expertise really on that. Sadly, I was deprived of uh, my dad never taught me the language that he learned uh, growing up. Anyway, Borel, the, the former, the artist formerly known as Bergkamp runs a spot, a Dutch spot on the Danforth. Yeah, so Dutch and sort out. of Indonesian, I think, as well. Dutch and Indonesian, like – by so. way of the Dutch East Indies, is that what they call that? Anyway, cool. Uh, I worked with him, which was so funny. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's and, awesome, uh, and, and the the food is is really great there too. It's uh, you know, it, it's not the first thing people maybe think of when you. It's like, oh, let's go and eat some Dutch food, but uh, but yeah, he kills it there. Uh, him and his wife, they're lovely folks. It's a great little bar. Shout out to Justin. It. Yeah, shout out to awesome Justin. Dude. Uh, so we won't talk. So we talked about that. Now the next question is from Will. He wants to know how likely is Charlie Montoyo's future with the team dependent on the management of the playoff games? Stoughton. This one's for me. This was this one's for our, for us. <laughs> my my take is that it's not dependent on the future of the playoff games at all. That's what I would also say. I, Charlie Montoyo is but a vessel for uh, for 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 a collaborative effort. So I don't know that we can judge, you know, his management as being entirely of him. That's the that's the brilliance of uh, of what Brian Cashman calls like the turning managers into the White House press secretary, where it's just you're all all you're doing is really spinning for the TV cameras. Uh, which I think he said in like 2016. I wrote about that not that long ago, and and something to it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's the that's the job, and it's it's weird because it's like you know we've kind of. We we managed like managers' intuition sort of covered over a lot of the area that now that it's like oh no they all they're all doing it by by all this data that they have oh you can't see what it is so you you similarly cannot know it's all it's all in a black box right but mm-hmm. uh, but I think that's what I think that's what the situation is it's uh, I think that maybe what if maybe we've been too dismissive and too 
um, uh, of the idea of, of the manager being maybe not, maybe less of the White House press secretary, maybe more of like a, more of an NFL head coach style where there's like a bit of scripting and baseball teams have like offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators and special teams guys and linebackers coaches and like, or maybe, maybe is baseball headed more in that direction with the, the difference being that the coordinators are like not seen and the guys that are the bench coach and the heading coach are like ex jocks to speak at the language, but they're still filling out a familiar role. Maybe it's more just like more of a delegation and more specialization rather than neutering these lifelong baseball <laughs> men and making them into sock puppets. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's probably accurate. It must be. Uh, it's a, if anything, it's a bit more charitable. Um, it certainly it certainly is. But I mean, you definitely see the specialization and and you know, listening to Dante Pichette talk about his thing. And that's obviously the ex jock thing. But then Guillermo Martinez is the other hitting coach who doesn't speak as much. So sadly, I don't think gets you know as not as enough of the credit or blame when that when mm. things go badly. Uh, I would, you know, I think Guillermo probably gets blamed when things go badly, but Dante gets credit when it goes well. It seems to be the way that the setup went this year, uh, because Dante's a good quote and he's Bo's dad and all that shit. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bichette talking about it, uh, it's like Martinez is more the, you know, more, more bringing in the analytics side and, and looking at, at, you know, specifics in terms of ang- angles and, and swing paths and like, you know, using actual numbers for stuff, whereas Bichette sort of is more on the philosophical side of, of, uh, mm-hmm. of that. And I think that, that you probably can go all the way down the line. You know, they have, you know, Mark Budzinski is uh, the first base coach. They've Matt Bushman in the bull is the bullpen coach, quote unquote, like that job. But I think that there's, uh, I don't know this for sure, but I think that there's a lot more to his role than just like being what the bullpen coach would have been 20 years ago. Like, hey, you there, get up. The, <laughs> hey, you sit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, I think, a lot of integration with baseball ops and a lot of communication that goes on there. I mean, that I've said before, but like they don't have, they don't, you don't hire all those, you know, people to do all those things and not let them do the things you hired them to do. Like there's, there is a lot of integration of, of data and, and uh, and trying to look at things in different ways. If you watched the final Blue Jays game of the year and you saw the home run that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit to right center field, you, like me, would now believe that Dante Bichette is the greatest hitting instructor the league has ever known. Because the last time we were talking, you and I, and and with the Dow Steve last week, if you haven't listened to that show, please do go ahead and check it out. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Dante Bichette talking about uh, – uh, Letting the ball get deep and not trying to get it out front so much and, and, and really trying to give yourself some more time and use your strength and whatever. Cause that is exactly what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did in the, on that home run in the last game of the year where that ball was like, it looked like it was past him and it looked like he like mm-hmm. just got it off the thumbs and he pounded it 405 feet to right center field. So Dante Bichette for mayor is, uh, is how <laughs> I feel. And that's, that's an interesting that you bring that up because, uh, you know, Randall Gritchett was going way better at the start of the year and he was kind of like one of the first Dante success stories and, and that mm-hmm. sort of faded a bit. But, uh, you know, Bichette has talked about getting the ball in deep, but I remember there was uh, a Zoom call with Gritchick early on when things were going well and he talked about he talked about that, but he also said that like like they showed him visualizations of like, oh, here's where good players are making contact like relative to – to the plate like they're not jumping out at it and getting it in front they're they're Mm -hmm. you know that's where that's where your best players are do are are you know making their hay uh so there is you know there is a blend of stats and and uh and old school sort of stuff going on there randall gritchick should uh, take a cue from the man who was drafted directly behind him perhaps in the uh 2009 entry draft we have a question from evan who wants to know with Ryu starting game two instead of game one, would you say it's time for us to crack, op- crack open each other's heads and feast on the goo inside? Which, uh, well, yes. I guess I would. <laughs> You're right. Uh, I, I, I find it comforting in a strange way. Because then it's like you lose game one. It's like, well, Ryu didn't even start. He's starting tomorrow. So, you know, that's okay. I, I also feel like it's taking it's taking – the concept of house money to like it's illogical extreme. <laughs> like you wandered into the casino and were like, put it all on black. And then, and then you won. And then everyone's jumping up and cheering. Like I won, I hit the jackpot. I, I, I won, I bet it all on black and it came up black. And then the next spin being like double zero, everything I got like, Whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> um, Noah, Noah love 
an, uh, who you may know, I have another former colleague of mine. Oh, sure. uh, what on earth in your mind possesses anyone on the J staff to allow Shanya Maguchi to pitch in a meaningful game? I guess he is referring to the game, the final game of the season where the Blue Jays had won and the Yankees eventually lost. Potentially the Blue Jays could have leapfrogged over the Yankees. Um, I don't think that that was a meaningful game is how I will f- opt out of this answer. <laughs> uh, I think it was more important that they save those who needed saving, so to speak. They, they, they didn't want to manage that game as though it was the seventh game of the World Series because I think it was probably more important to get as many of the bullpen guys as fresh as they can for game one, which inevitably is, or as we know now, is something akin to a bullpen game. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's, that's a, a bit of a cop out answer, but I think it, they were, if, if Yamaguchi wasn't able to get the job done in that game against uh, Baltimore, they were more than at peace with that decision. That's, that's my perspective. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a hundred percent correct. I mean, there, there were uh, the last few times Yamaguchi has pitched has not gone well. Uh, so perhaps that's what Noah was referring to. Um, and I just I feel bad for Yamaguchi. Like he started very poorly. He was brought into those tenth inning situations where he like you know just wasn't even used to the ball yet. And and you know people were talking people talked about the seams. And I remember you know I think Arash Madani reported on this. And there have been other people saying that you know in Japan it's like the ball is is already like tacked up. Like they already got some rosin on there or whatever before. And and here it just. Or whatever, or if it's like that here, then it's the other the other way there. It's it's just it's just a different process of dealing with the ball, preparing mm-hmm. the ball, being ready to to pitch, feeling the seams of the ball. Uh, and I thought I, I thought people gave him a bit of a hard time early on because that is like a real thing, and it was a real thing when Anthony Kay was going through it last year, and people you know that was just understood, and then. Uh, you know, it's it's a bit of like the Vlad Jr. like Juan Soto Tatis thing, where it's like, well, this guy's doing it. How come you can't? Mm-hmm. Like, you, should, you should be able to do that. Uh, it's like, oh, I don't know. Some guys just have taken to it better. But uh, the thing about Yamaguchi was that he had a really nice run. I think for a little while there were mm-hmm. games where he was like their most important pitcher, where he like came into garbage time and the you know held a team to you know to no runs or to one run over several innings to. And that allowed the Jays to get back into the game. Like he and he was pitching really well. The splitter started to work really well for him, and that's you know his his big pitch. Uh, and it came a bit undone at the end of the year. But I don't think that he is uh, uh, as bad as it looked at the start or the end. And I think it's unfortunate if people are sort of exiting the season with a bitter taste in their mouth about him, because uh, I think he can still be a useful guy for them next year and may even uh, probably get st- stretched out as though he could potentially be a starter. Uh, and then they'll hope to God that they don't have to do that. Uh, that, all that said, I don't think, I don't, I don't, pardon my ignorance at this time when we're recording, I haven't seen if they've announced an official roster for the games, but I don't know that I would put him on it. No, I don't think I would either. I mean, no. I, I think, I think that they kind of tip their hand just by having him pitch so much uh, in the last yeah. season. Patrick uh, Murphy too, but I think that he may depend on Jordan Romano. Right. Uh, next, we have a question from James and T.O., uh, a great follow and a great account if you are a Blue Jays fan, which listening to this show, the, the Birds All Day on The Athletic, where I'm going to segue now into the pitch part. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, now is the time. You want to get everything you can about the Blue Jays. You want to know everything that's going on in the baseball playoffs. You need to go to theathletic.com slash birds all day and subscribe, and you can get it right now, limited time. If you've never subscribed before for $1.25 a month, do it. Subscribe to The Athletic. You don't have to subscribe to The Athletic, but you can and should subscribe to Birds All Day. This is now uh, our third go at the playoffs. Last two were pretty good. So subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. Thank you and welcome. Subscribe to the show on wherever you listen to the to the podcast, if you, or to your podcasts. If you listen to them on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Overcast, whatever, wherever it may be, you can even listen to it if you are a subscriber right there in the Athletic app. But we are where your podcasts are, so look us up, subscribe, give us a like, give us a rating, give us a thumbs up, whatever it may be. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate everyone for listening. It's been a weird, wild season. Uh, we appreciate everyone who stuck with us during the COVID break when there was not a ton going on. But here we are, going into October. Blue Jays are still playing. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. And as I said, subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to the show, which is now continuing on. James wants to to know, and this is something we touched on a little bit earlier, which is um, 
late inning defensive replacements if you have a slim lead and you're the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you take out Vladimir Guerrero? Do you take out Teoscar Hernandez? At what point do you do it? Do you have to factor in whether or not they're coming to the plate? Is it worth losing what they may have at the, at the, at the plate? This is now I'm ad editorializing. Is it worth losing that, the potential for that, uh, to gain a little bit of offense in the moment? What do you think? Uh, it depends. I think that, yeah, there's absolutely reason to take them out at certain times, but there have definitely been times this year where I've felt that, uh, it seemed like Vlad's bat might come back around and be able to help them where he was taken out a little bit early. Uh, but I get it. I get the impulse to do that. And, uh, I'm okay with it. You know, that's this is the thing that scares I think everybody is that we're going to have to. <laughs> speaking of, as I was just before leaving, leaving a season with bad tastes in our mouths, it could just. It, I, I'm afraid that something stupid's going to happen, and that's going to be the end of the season. Uh, and uh, you would hate for it to be a thing like that. But uh, I, I'm generally in support of that. I would love to see Vlad. Uh, you know, when you can get Travis Shaw uh, in, play him at first base, and then have Vlad at DH. You don't really necessarily need to, to have him on the field. Um, and the same with Teoscar. Teoscar has been better as a, a defender out there, I think. Uh, and I, I don't know if he was ever quite as bad as people think. I mean, he was awful when he was like in center field and left like uh, a couple years ago or whatever, whenever that was. Um, yeah, he had a couple weird moments early in the season, but I, I think he's been fairly solid. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with him more than Vlad. So, so this is my concern, maybe with any outfit, any alignment that allow that places to Oscar Hernandez. To if you say we're going to get smart or get cute, put Jonathan Davis in, and then move Teoscar to DH, which I like in a vacuum. The idea because I do like what Jonathan Davis has to offer in the outfield and at the plate. You know, he's he's swung that pretty well, like you said, handle some velocity, a little bit of a dimension, an additional speed dimension, maybe more of a stolen base dimension. Even though, as we talked about before, he's not he's not noticeably faster than like Teoscar Hernandez. He's slower than Teoscar Hernandez, not as fast, but as fast as uh, Randall Grichik and the like. But a guy who has shown a bit more willingness to swipe a bag here or there. Um, but when you have Teoscar Hernandez at DH, it kind of limits your options a little bit because the only card then you have to play if you have to move things around is like moving Bijou out there, right? And then you just start to to get I, – I my concern is like diminishing returns as you start to move those things around where maybe a, an alignment where Teoscar is in the outfield and then if you do have the opportunity, you can bring in uh, Jonathan Davis to if, – if you want to keep Richard in center, you want to move someone around – I, I just worry about painting yourself into a corner with with Teoscar at DH. That's all, and and uh, and I think that first base, uh, given what we've seen from Vlad, it's it's a risk, right? Because I mean, really, first base is, is first base the place you're looking for defensive gains? Um, I don't know that it is. Uh, and if is is are the gains appreciable in in a single game? Is it are you better off having a slightly better first baseman? What while still maintaining maybe a slightly worse third baseman, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where that figures in. I, I guess I'm what I'm struggling to I, to think about or visualize is what is the optimal defensive alignment of the playoff rostered Toronto Blue Jays, um, given the way they played this year. I don't know that optimal defensive alignment is a word that comes easily to the lips of a Blue Jays fan, but uh, I, I it's a there's a real give and take I think when you start to to start moving pieces around the chessboard and looking to grab an extra out or two if you have the opportunity. Yeah, it's true. They they feel might be more like deck chairs on a, on a certain <laughs> ship. Uh, <laughs> luckily, Vladimir yeah, Grill the, Jr. has the mobility of a deck chair and the range. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I. I, I you're right. No, what, what is the optimal alignment? Who could who could even say? It's whoever's healthy at the moment. I guess they're they're. Go they're with your not, heart. They are not an elite defensive team. Go with your heart, Charlie Montoya. That's what I say. When they, the edict comes down, like we want you to put this person here, he'll say, "No, I believe in Teoscar Hernandez," and then Teoscar will make a great <laughs> unexpected grab, and Charlie Montoya will be heralded as a genius and paraded about town. Also, thanks to Mike Gallant who asked a similar question to that one. Uh, I'm going to move on to the be- the best question of the day, which is a very very obscure reference. Uh, only you know, as I said, this is our third go round here in Birds All Day in the playoffs. But if you remember. Uh, or you knew before, Stoughton and I used to do a daily show on YouTube at our old job called Getting Blanked. 
And at one point there was a, something that was a bit of a running joke about the, a band called the botanist. So <laughs> Alex Ferguson knows how does the botanist fit into the Blue Jays series victory celebrations? And I said, the celebration will take place 100% in a verdant realm. And everyone acknowledges that. So shout out to Alex, who's obviously been down from the very beginning. And, Long uh, time. Uh, that was a, that was a funny day. That <laughs> the, I, the I, st- I still can't look at a tree without thinking of that fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan wants to th- has a question. Um, obviously, the playoffs, especially in 2020, are a total crapshoot. How do you think the results, from a team or individual perspective, will influence decision making moving forward? Particularly good results, I say, if they go far, or or for or if say Alejandro Kirk plays very well or something else. So, I guess the big the, the question is, do you think that there's going to be any great decisions or, or any kind of uh, anything are any minds going to be changed by what you see here in the 2020 playoffs if, from a Blue Jays perspective? Uh, I was going to say no, but I mean, obviously, like, you know, like if Kirk played really well, I think that, like I say, the, 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 they very obviously really like him. Uh, like, like Atkins was like glowing when he was talking about how comfortable he would be with him and how, he really feels that he's, you know, the he he can slow the game down and not let it get too fast on him, and and, and you know, uh, so maybe that decision's already made. But I don't know. I, you could see, like, if it was a long run, especially and especially just playing games that are so meaningful and are so, you know, every pitch matters. You, you maybe see a little bit more that you can you know, give a little more weight to what happens here than regular season games. But I mean, they're the they're all paid to not make those kind of decisions right they're all paid to be as objective as they possibly can so only to a point i guess i think that it's not a matter of like making decisions but i think that the information that you would gain during the world during the playoffs is as valid as any other piece of information that you would have got especially in a 60 game season and i think back to like uh, there's a player, uh, Matt Carpenter, who of course had a great, great season, a great, great hit, has had a great, great career, kind of coming towards the end of his career now. But I remember watching Matt Carpenter hit the one year in the playoffs in 2000, it might have been 2012, where it was just like he was scary at the plate. And he, he was like just in his first year, but like you could tell that even though he's inexperienced or even though maybe he wasn't like, you know, a star, it's like that guy can hit and he's hitting against good pitching because he's a good hitter. And I think that if you see Alejandro Kirk, for example, hit, you're like, well, yeah, he's hitting against Tyler Glasnow and Blake Snell, whomever else, because he's a hitter. And he, he it's yeah. not just, you know, like a Pat Borders in the World Series sort of couple of balls bound the right way and just things go, you know, break his way. You're not necessarily going to make him, make him to be, uh, make him out to be something he's not. You are, going to take that information and, and add it into your information matrix and add to, to your uh, dis, your consideration set. I don't know. I'm trying to talk like I work in the Blue Jays front office. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's just something else you would just consider. And you're not going to make any rash decisions. If, if one thing we know about the Blue Jays, they're not going to go all half off, all half cocked. Like you said, they believe in Alejandro Kirk. They're comfortable with him behind the plate. They're comfortable with him at the plate. And I think that's that's – they wouldn't have put him in the situation in the first place if they didn't believe that based on what they saw uh, in A-ball last year and then in the at the alternate in Rochester this year. They believe in what he can do because it's he just continues to do it. I, I don't think that there's a lot – there's no um, there's no element of magic or uh, reading, reading tea leaves or anything like that. It's just like he, he's a hitter. He can hit. He's always hit. He's done it again. His approach is good. His, he, 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 his, his mechanics are good. Let him do it until he can't. Yeah, and you make a good point that it's you know it is best on best. It is like you know you're not getting the the twenty ninth guy on the roster that you're that you're watching him face. Like you're you're gonna you know, that that's another reason it's, to to give it, it more meaning. This this kind of it's it's the sure. opposite of the don't believe anything you see in in April and September thing. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. it's not expanded rosters and guys given getting a chance and you know it's the also ran Orioles against the also ran blue like which maybe you, you could have accused by uh, say Kevin Biggio last year where it's like okay hold well, I'm gonna pump the brakes because he's beaten up on the the were one of the worst teams I've seen in a long time those terrible 20, 2019 Orioles so let's like wait and see and then he's come out and had a had a decent enough year um Sean Shaughnessy here wants to know do you think there's any chance whatsoever that the announcement of Shoemaker in game one is actually a bluff and the Blue Jays are saying the code be damned. Uh, I don't think that. <laughs> no, I think they're going to go with Shoemaker. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to believe that. That'd be fun. I'd be okay with it if it was. But no, I think. I mean, I think that they, 
they would like to get Ryu that extra day of rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's any need for like uh, cloak and dagger te- uh, tactics when if they could have started, if there was any chance that Ryu was going to be at his best in game one, they would have started in then. But if they think uh, collectively with the player, with the with all the different information that they've got, if they say game two is when he's going to be, we think we'll have our best chance to win with him on the mound, then that's when you do it. Yep. Uh, good question from Scott, which kind of is, uh, goes to a bit of the other stuff that we've spoken about, which is, uh, will the playoffs be better or worse this year without as many off days? He says without off days, but I think we, that's the first round. But uh, teams needing to use way more pitchers than we've seen in the last few years, but I can't decide if that's good or bad. I think it's kind of uh, good. We talked about this a little bit off the top of the show. Uh, I think, you know, with a more condensed schedule, you're not going to see like the, you know, not in the first round anyway, like we saw well, Brandon no, it, Morrow. It is, it is mm-hmm. the whole, it's the whole playoff. It's except until the world series. Oh, okay. The, so like, cause, if we they, saw, cause they're in the, they're in their bubbles, right? Oh, so. right. Right. So we saw Brandon Morrow pitch all seven games in the world series a couple of years ago. I don't think <laughs> hey, you'll not, you won't see that again, but I, I just think it's a, it's a more, uh, telling test of what the teams are made of that they, the teams weren't asked to run the 162 game r- ringer to get there. So this is a, a bit of more of a natural extension and that's something that's a little bit more, maybe more reflective of what it takes to win a over a, a full season, which is kind of the value proposition of baseball as it is and the size and, and significance of the baseball regular season. Uh, that said, there are a lot of teams that were just, it was a total grind this season playing so many games, double headers, even if they are seven innings and having games that got shaved off really because of the extra runners and, and, uh, and those other such gimmickry. Um, but, uh, I, I, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. You know, show me what you got. You know, if it's, if it's something that plays to the advantage of the better teams, maybe it's a bit of like a hidden reward. Uh, but also, you know, if it makes the raise worse, then I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here, here. Uh, and yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, just a couple more here. Uh, uh, the uh, offside guy too, Captain Alejandro Kirk wants to know, will Kiermaier go all Acidas Escobar and OPS over 1000 in this series? No, I don't think so. I think that Kevin Kiermaier is too good a player to be compared to Alcides Escobar. Um, but God, that was the most annoying thing in the world. Swinging at the first pitch every time. Maniac. Oh, yeah. Horrible. Gross. And yeah, you're right. Kiermaier, like Kiermaier was legitimately good. I mean, he's not. He's maybe not the hitter that he was at one point, but yeah, he'll, uh, I will uh, insult him at your own peril, I feel. I won't insult him, but I will say that Jackie Bradley Jr. is a significantly better outfielder than Kevin Kiermaier, and Kevin Kiermaier is ridiculously good. I saw Mike uh, Mike Petriello tweeting about this, and I truly believe Jackie Bradley Jr., who's not playing anymore, he's played for the Red Sox, and now he's going to be a free agent. He's one of the best outfielders I've ever seen in my entire life. He's so, so good. And Kiermaier is really good too, but Jackie Bradley Jr. is better. Don't let any Rays fans tell you otherwise. Luckily, they ain't about to do that. Uh, that's pretty much <laughs> it. That's all I got. Thanks, everybody, for, for getting your questions in. Uh, Stoughton, are you ready? You ready for the playoffs? I mean, I can't not be really, right? I mean, they're happening whether I'm ready or not. You, can, you know, the, the, the <laughs> editors will be hitting you with the emails. Right. Do you, yeah. okay, uh, here's a question related to uh, your colleague uh, and technically mine, uh, Lindsay Adler. Uh, Stone, do you write in the CMS? Oh, uh, that's my question <laughs> I, to you. I mostly write in Notepad. Really? Like a fucking psycho. Yeah. I can spell, so uh, I just find it's easier, and it's just easier to like when you're looking up statistics and stuff. I don't want to have it in a tab window. I need something that like I can look at i could type while still looking at a page mm, so, interesting yeah i which, write, which hmm? you know is probably i i just i feel people are gonna be like oh well, that's why there's all those typos <laughs> <laughs> i write in the cms 99 percent of the time the only time i in recent years i haven't written in the cms is when i didn't have access to it because i was just some scumbag freelancer who was having <laughs> to like write a google doc and then share it with yeah, uh, google docs i don't i don't do a lot of people use google docs i can't no, no. I like Google Doc. I like Google Doc because I like the I like to replicate the experience of the CMS as best I can. <laughs> um, I, I just I, I just oh, I like the WordPress WordPress CMS is way better than a Google Doc for me. I, I I do use that a bit, but it depends. My my thoughts flow back and forth. It depends where the mood hits me. You know whether I got the Notepad open or the the WordPress. 
I like to be edited in in Google Docs, where it can be like a collaborative, or there's the ability to like see and look in. Um, but like really? when I do my newsletter, uh, I write it in the right in the fucking Substack CMS. You can't you can't stop me. There's no talking to me. There's no changing. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just uh, I just leave it to the editor. I'm like. I'm sorry. Please do with this what you will. Well, some of us are a bit more of a farm to fork operation here. So we (laughs) (laughs) also, it used to be, it used to be, I used to just like publish and then be like, Oh God, what did I just write? I better look at this like really meticulously. Well, that's the, especially if it's like, Oh, that was a, that was a good one. Like people are going to read that. Like sometimes it's like, Oh, that was shit. I don't care. But, the number of times but that was not that's not a great way to to edit no is to, is no, to publish like, first and edit oh, later <laughs> so many times like okay read it read it again read it again publish first paragraph typo fuck like, <laughs> yeah no too many times too many times um i did mention my uh the 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 new the newsletter and if you do uh, we're still rolling on here with the vlad guerrero newsletter i sent one out to uh, subscribers only where i looked at uh, a very, uh, I would say, encouraging trend uh, of Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s uh, looking at his home runs, which are not usually the best place to do analysis because uh, already the most optimal outcome. But uh, just really, Vladdy um, uh, hitting the hitting the ball with power to all fields, which is something you love to see. I love to he's, see it. You know, I mean, fixed. I mean, fixed. you never. Sorry, fixed. Fixed. I mean, I think it's a bit of a different look. It's not that he's a dead pole hitter, but I don't think he ever, you know, he kind of got away with it. Uh, it's just maybe a more reflection of the way the game is. I don't know that you can be like dead red pole hitter, the Jose Bautistas and even Josh Donaldson's, like those guys that were not looking to do anything else. I think it's just a, the ability to be, to, to take a to step forward. Um, maybe, you know, some of the things that we would, we talked about with Dante Pichette, um, he hit the, so the home run he hit against the Orioles off John Means was his first ever opposite field home run. He had a couple of center, he said he used to hit a lot to center field, but now this was like, these were, he had one against John Means, he had one against Davey Garcia at uh, Yankee Stadium, like true opposite field home runs. Then he hit this one just this past weekend against the Orioles. Um, that was to the, you know, the right field side of center. As well, but also that home run he hit against Ryan Yarbrough in Tampa Bay back like a month ago. Um, that was like the hardest, the lowest home run hit all season long, except for an inside the park home run. It's only hit a launch angle of 16 degrees, but that ball got out of there in a hurry. So if you do subscribe to the pod, to the newsletter, I appreciate it. Um, if you are not a full subscriber, you can't read that one, but if you do get a full subscription, make sure you can get access to that. But if you don't, if you just want to get the free ones, there's going to be one coming out tomorrow. Uh, so you can sign up at fairservice.substack.com. So thank you, everybody. And thank you, Stoughton. Thank you for a great season covering the Blue Jays, covering a 60-game madcap dash to the finish. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. It has been. Well, it's it's our show. We do it together, and we always That's have. That's true. And, yeah. uh, and if, if, we'll, 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 do, we'll do another one of these later this week, win, lose, or draw. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. So until then, I hope sincerely that you, whether or not these these playoffs are legitimate, it's going to be fun. So everyone, if you're listening to this, if you like the Blue Jays, enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Just keep thinking about house money. Um, and you never know. Like I would not be surprised if they if they were able to, to oust the Rays. It would be so mwah, delicious. So enjoy <laughs> the games. Thank you for listening so much. We'll talk to you later on this week with another edition of Birds All Day. Now-